Hello and welcome to Alchemic Life. My name is Jo Hanlon Moores and this is my podcast. How are we all doing this week? I've had a bit of a pants week, to be quite honest. And yeah, I'm going to talk about it because it does actually lead in to what I want to talk about this week. Here's the thing. In the last week, I've had migraine almost every day. And a week ago, on top of that, I had a massive panic attack that came out of nowhere. That means I've had five in my entire life and four of those have been menopausal. Such a joy. It's not as if I was feeling anxious. I was getting ready to go out, take my daughter to have a haircut and then bam, out of nowhere. This is the first one I've had in a year. So the old estrogen must have taken a bit of a dive. Funnily enough, I think it was in October. And as for the week-long migraine that ended up with me in a pile on the floor, the last one I had like that was in October of, well, can't even remember when it was, but it was a while back anyway. Must be the time of year. Is it season change? Who knows? Do you ever get things like that happening at the same point in the year? All of this got me thinking, it's a bit weird offering your services as a healer and then telling everyone how sick you are. (laughs) Not that I'm sick, because I'm not. I'm generally speaking a really healthy person, but these are the things that we deal with. But what exactly is healing anyway? According to the Annals of Family Medicine, and I quote, it is the transcendence of the personal experience of suffering, which is kind of nice, isn't it? The dictionary, in the meantime, says that it's the process of the restoration of health from an unbalanced, diseased, damaged or unvitalised challenge. I've also read that the practice of nursing is associated with healing and the practice of medicine is associated with curing, which I thought was really interesting. I think we, all of us nowadays, know the difference between healing and curing, but I really liked that the caring aspect of nursing that came into that with the more scientific, let's get this fixed practice of medicine. So basically, we're talking about a restoration of balance and vitality. And that, in turn, can support a restoration after disease or damage. The body always tries to return to homeostasis, that ability to maintain a healthy stability. It wants the energy to flow smoothly and in the way it should. And disruptions in energy flow, and therefore disruptions in homeostasis, can be addressed with energy work. Yay, my favourite topic. That energy work can be hands-on healing, distance healing, using plant or mineral energy, using movement to cultivate energy, all sorts of ways. So fascinating how they work together and can support allopathic medicine too. I think of the healing aspect of Reiki as a bit like tuning a guitar. The practitioner who has primed herself through meditation and her own daily practice is a bit like the tuning fork or the tuning app as you have nowadays. They're very clever, aren't they? And the strings are our energy centres or chakras as they're also called sometimes. A tuned instrument doesn't automatically play like I don't know, insert your favourite guitarist here, that takes practice daily. But when that instrument is tuned, it's primed and ready to do its very best. And so those tuned strings, I'm labouring this a little bit, but stay with me. Those tuned strings are like all your energy centres being beautifully aligned, resonating with each other, ready to play beautiful music, man. 
I do believe that with deep, intense practice, we can actually change our bodies on a cellular level. And if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to check out Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I know his name is bandied about all over the place, but he is really interesting on this subject. You have to get past a few things probably with him. I find I did anyway, but it's worth it. Stick with him. Interestingly, I have to say, he has quote unquote discovery that when an individual drops into maybe what he would call a a healing wavelength, that they can actually bring about healing in others close to them. Now that to me sounds like he's just rediscovered Reiki. I wonder if he knows this or any other healing method (laughs) for that matter. But I guess it's just many messengers for one message and it's a bloody good message. So who cares? I found a really simple recipe for energy healing recently that I liked. comes in three parts. First one is mindfulness, a meditative practice to connect with the timeless beyond space in the now. And then intention, that good focus, that positive intention, perhaps supported by a ritual to hold that space. I'm thinking of things like the Reiki symbols, perhaps. And then compassion, which is, of course, the heart energy, the love energy that powers it all. According to repeated studies by the HeartMath Institute, the heart has the largest electromagnetic field of any part of the body. When it's measured by an ECG, the heart field is about 60 times greater than the brain's field when that's recorded by an EEG, which is pretty amazing. That heart field reaches several feet beyond the body and can easily embrace another person. And I think there are already experiments done that actually show it working at a far greater distance than that. I mean, I've done them myself. (laughs) I've done my experiments in distance Reiki and I know and the people on the receiving end knew what was going on. This all fits in with the big picture of panpsychism and the conscious universe. Panpsychism is a scientific theory. It suggests a conscious universe with human consciousness inside that universe and not apart from it. Carl Sagan said, humans are the stuff of the cosmos examining itself, which is, I guess, a more eloquent, smarter way of saying what I say, which is that life lives through us and we should not be limiting it. There are three main schools of thought around consciousness. The first is materialism, and that is that consciousness emanates from matter, which doesn't really fit with our growing understanding of quantum mechanics, and it's quite limiting for anyone really searching to understand as we move forward. Um, The second one is mind-body dualism, where consciousness is separate from matter, and that has usually been spoken of as soul or spirit. And then there's panpsychism, where the entire universe is inhabited by consciousness. We're a big old consciousness soup, and that creates the proto-consciousness field. In a moment of non-migrainy clarity this week, I put up a post on Instagram about receiving a message during meditation, or just after meditation, if I'm going to be absolutely accurate, about water being one of the best conduits physically for energy, when that energy is data, intelligence, blueprints, how we can restore ourselves to a plan. And that post got a lot of nodding heads. It's something we all feel, right? It, it just makes sense with us that water should be that way. Which is how I got into reading all about panpsychism again and the proto-consciousness field. Water feels like very much part of that. And it's not just us, of course, that have an electromagnetic field. Plants have one too. An aura, a healing energy. It's the energetics rather than the chemicals that are at work in flower essences and on some levels with essential oils, which can work on the physical and the energetic levels. 
Essential oils can reach your brain almost instantly via your olfactory nerve and they'll be in your bloodstream in two minutes and then available to every cell in your body in about 20 minutes. That's physical. Energetically, you're going to wonder, is time even an issue? How do they work on that level? Flower essences work purely with an energetic signature carried in water, by the way, that can seem to take days or weeks to have an effect. Personally, I always feel an effect almost immediately during those first three days and then nothing will happen for a while. And then around the two, three week, I kind of get another nudge forward with whatever issue it is that I'm dealing with. And of course, a remedy like Star of Bethlehem can help heal past trauma, even pre-birth. So time and space, again, not an issue. With all this whirling through my poor little animal brain, not so much proto-consciousness going on in there, I can tell you this week, no wonder, can you imagine all these little smoking, dried up, dusted brain cells just lying around going, oh, for fuck's sake, and giving up on me? It didn't really feel like that, I have to say. It felt much more like they were beating the crap out of me. But anyway, I've decided that I need to complete my fluorescence training and become a full-on practitioner. I'm qualified as a practitioner for animals through the Batch Centre and the Natural Animal Centre a couple of years ago, but I've only done levels one and two for human animals. Can I just say at this point, I'm going to say Batch Centre because that's what they told me it's called, the Batch Centre, and the Batch Centre told me that. They also pointed out that his family was originally Welsh, in which case it will probably be more like Bach, but you know, I'm just going to go with Batch. So yeah, hadn't done their level three practitioner training. And I've now actually signed up for a course that covers not only the Batch repertoire, but others too, which is very exciting because lots more plants for me to learn about and many more things that I can do with them. I'm also working through on a personal level, not as a practitioner, an essential oils course, Um, reading up on human design, of course, in my spare time. And all of this feels like energy work. It all feels like it all ties and plats in together beautifully. And that thrills me to be plugged into that because it's surely the cutting edge of wellness these days. And there's always something new to learn. There's always something new being discovered at the moment. It's just so exciting. So in a very, not really very circular way, I guess to go back to the beginning and talking about how do you identify as a healer and then talk about being sick? Well. I think that the practices that I practice, (laughs) the things that I practice using flower essences, using essential oils, and of course, Reiki, I think they help me restore balance. Migraine is something I inherited. It's exacerbated by hormones. It's going to happen, I think. That may just be me accepting it and allowing it, I don't know. But more than 40 years, there you go, it's still going on. The other things that I do help me recover more quickly. They keep me strong in between bouts of migraine and other things that go on. And I'm all for them. I'm all for them. And I think that's what they can do for everybody. Some people find that energy work is curative. For some symptoms of things, it can be. I've experienced that myself too. But if it just helps us restore that balance restore homeostasis maybe a little bit quicker than we would have done. Give ourselves the chance to recover. That's so worthwhile. Okay, I've got some things I like. First one, it's more energy work. It's an episode of the Expanded podcast with Lacey Phillips. She seems to get a mention a lot of the time, but I quite like her work. And in this one, she interviews homeopath Micheline Seiler. I think it's Seiler, S-E-I-L-E-R. I'll put it all in the show notes. 
She is, as I say, a homeopath, fascinating woman, really interesting conversation about her work, about her life. Loved it. The second thing is The Secret Commonwealth, The Book of Dust, Volume 2 by Philip Pullman. I'm very excited about this. Have you read His Dark Materials, the trilogy about Lyra Balequa? If you haven't, you really should. Um, The Book of Dust, Volume 1, which I think was only released... Was it this year? Was it last year? I don't know. It doesn't seem very long ago. Um, That was the prequel to the His Dark Materials trilogy about Lyra when she was a baby. Volume 2 is the sequel. And Lyra Balacqua is 20 years old. I cannot wait to get to this. I'm about halfway through another audiobook at the moment. And I'm determined to finish it and be a grown-up and not just bin it off and go rushing off to Uncle Philip. I'm quite tempted because The Secret Commonwealth is narrated by Michael Sheen and he did such an amazing job on the first one. I'm so looking forward to this. I'm also looking forward to the fact that his dark materials has been dramatised to be televised by the BBC. It has to be better than the movie version from however many years back it was. It's got Ruth Wilson in it, amongst other people, and Lyra is played by Wolverine's daughter, which, you know, it's just all my worlds are coming together. Number three of my likes is the book Foxfire, Wolfskin and Other Stories of Shape-Shifting Women. These are myths and tales reimagined by Sharon Blackie. Lovely book. Easy to just dip in and out of, read a story or two. I love Sharon's work. I think it's really important and this is a, a lovely incarnation of it. Um, that's it, I think. I was going to tell you about some tea that I found that I really like, but after those other three things, it just sounds a bit... It's a very nice tea. It's dandelion, fennel and ginger. Very tasty. And I found out that it's anti-inflammatory and it's supportive of healthy estrogen levels, which frankly, at the moment, I can do with all of that. So I didn't know any of that until I brought it home, liked it and looked it up. It was sending me signals, people. It's the plants again. The plants, I tell you. Anyway, that's enough of me for this week. I am off this week to London for a couple of days to take my daughter up to see a show, stay in a hotel, eat lots of food for her 14th birthday. Her 14th! She's all grown up, almost. So no doubt I will be singing a song, maybe doing a little bit of tap dancing next week, because I can actually tap dance quite well. Anyway, you don't need to know that. You don't need to hear any of this. Shall we get on with the weekend? Have a really good one, and I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.